Are you a founder, co-founder, aspiring entrepreneur, or just someone who loves to hear about how companies are built? Then join us as we talk with founders and CEOs who have been there and done that. Welcome to the Founders Formula Podcast, sponsored by Hatchet Ventures. And now, your host, Chet Lovegren. Welcome, everybody, to the second installment with Vadim Slavin. For those of you that listen to episode one with Vadim, you know that we are having such a great conversation that we let the tape run. So without further ado, we're going to jump right into that episode. I'm, I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on this. Like, So you said, obviously, second time founders raise money faster. And that makes sense, right? You, then you put and then yeah you put that tag on it successful <laughs> with how easy it is to create a narrative on the internet these days and how many companies really like one thing that surprises me having a services-based business and working with companies i met companies i've never heard of doing three to four million dollars in annual revenue you know it, like it surprised me how fast you can make five million dollars in annual revenue and nobody knows who you are mm-hmm how do you validate that they're like, what would you as an investor say that validates them as a second time founder? Is it an acquisition by a, another successful company? Is it looking through their, their statements of revenue that they had before they left the company or, you know, like why would somebody leave a company if it was successful and they didn't sell it off? Right. And look for, to do mm-hmm. a new venture. Like what are some of the things that you look at when you're looking at a second time founder that you can say they were successful in their last venture? So, first of all, uh, what I've observed is that if the first time future successful founder starts with a deep understanding of the problem, the second time formerly successful first time founder starts with customers, not just the problem. And that's probably why you haven't heard of those successful companies, because they don't need to do press releases, they don't need to do marketing they come from the background where the customers are there saying, listen, I need this built. This is a problem that I have. This is how much I'm willing to pay for it. Can you go build this for me? And then you start from there. Um, How do you identify those? Well, you don't really need to identify them because you already know them. Or as an investor, you don't know them because they come to their previous founders, right? So it's really hard to invest early on in a, second time formerly successful first time founder because they come to their investors that they delivered return to and they say hey here's here's something else i want to do uh let's do it um in fact even those first time founders that weren't successful but as long as they were not successful for a good reason should not have a problem raising funds from their uh previous founders uh, when there was, uh, there was a startup that came to us um, in our portfolio monthly ventures that said, listen, we realize that this is not the problem we want to solve. We want to uh, return some money to investors um, because we're just, we just don't want to you know, spend all the money that we raised. It's the right thing to do. So we're just going to return some of it. And we're like, no, don't. What else do you want to do? Like, is there something else you want to do? um that uh you know that you think is more worthwhile um so the founder said you know we want to take some time we'll come back Uh, but as an investor um you are you're concerned more about the opportunity than with the numbers you know um to get your fund to perform at like 2x 3x which is actually an enormous success for a fund 
um, you need to think about a large, large portion of your portfolio to go to zero and a small, small, small portfolio go to 10x or more. Uh, which means that if somebody comes back and says, I want to return 40% of what I raised from you, you're like, well, uh, no, the, uh, the, opportunity, um, the opportunity is worth more than that 40% that we've already written off anyway, right? And as long as there is a, like I said, good reason to have failed because, hey, we learned all we could and there isn't a market or, you know what, we just cannot deliver the value um, uh, uh, for the margins that the customers are willing to pay for it. You know what? The technology is just not there. Um, as long as, you know, you didn't fail because you, you were lazy uh, or because you didn't want to listen or whatever, that prior relationship with, a, with an investor will pay off later anyway. So, yes, it's easier to raise as a, as a successful founder, but uh, that's not a deal breaker. If you come back to your investors later and say, I want to do something different. Well, that's really helpful. So this is uh, so this is this conversation is really interesting to me because uh, we don't we don't get too many people that can both put on the investor hat as well as the founder and advisor hat. Um, we typically get one side or the other in most cases. So this is this is really informative. And, and I, I love some of these insights. Um, I'm curious to hear your opinion as an investor. And even maybe as someone advising a first-time founder, um, <clears throat> how much does tenure in that problem really matter? And I know you said authority on subject matter is important, but first-time founder, and like you said, needs the capital to get going, maybe doesn't even have a single customer yet. Are companies mm -hmm. out here, or, or are investors out here giving companies with no revenue money if they're seeing enough tenure experience and track record of success solving that problem. We're talking a decade plus solving a certain problem or maybe even experiencing that problem for five years and then solving it in one form or capacity for another five years. Is that is that a possibility for of potential founders? Of course. Um, I think tenure is just one um, small metric. You know, you don't have to be doing the same thing for 10 years. After all, you know, I could ask you a question. So why haven't you raised your hand before? Why haven't you done it sooner? Do you not believe in yourself? Will you not believe in yourself once I give you money? Um, but uh, it's about demonstrating um, authority on the subject. Um, like the best, um, let me give you two examples, the best and the worst. So the best one would be somebody comes to you and says, listen, I've been working for a big company and man, we spend so much time and money getting this kind of service. There's really nothing good out there. Like I've tried, I've been a buyer of this service forever. I've been running tender for, uh, for a service provider. There's really nothing like that. My company would have paid gazillions to get this done. So I know what I need to build. I know that it's possible. Um, here's, some, here's a prototype that I've built. And uh, my company, like I already talked to my boss, and he said, like, if I leave and I, and I create this thing, um, they're willing to buy it. Like, that is like the best case scenario, right? Um, the worst thing is, um, you know what, like I was, um, I quit my company and um, like on my way, um, like in Uber, I was thinking, wow, like wouldn't it be nice to do this. And so I spent three months paying somebody to build this, this thing. Right. So, so there you go. That, that's the comparison. Um, obviously, you know, founders, they will have something in between. There's, uh, but one mistake that um, I think, 
people are making when they're when they're showing passion for the problem is that they're equating their problems with market problems, right? And and this is something that Silicon Valley was blamed for uh, many times, like people building things for themselves. But Silicon Valley is not the rest of the world, right? So founders in Silicon Valley don't understand what it's like to be a, a user, a customer outside of Silicon Valley, right? And for that, you need to not only get outside of the building, which was which was the term we used uh, back in the day, but also like you really need to understand the market as a whole. And um, the market, for the, for the most part, the market is outside of Silicon Valley. Yeah. I find that I find that interesting um, because I, I've personally heard. I mean, a CEO of Sendoso, co-founder and CEO, was on the podcast, and he said, mm-hmm. "Look, we built a very small uh, version of a product called CoffeeSender.com, where we were sending coffee gift cards, but mm-hmm. we were account executives, so we just found a way to build it ourselves. Me and my co-founder. Um, then it got to a point where that was growing enough that he went and pursued it full time. I was helping on more of the product side because I still mm-hmm. wanted to keep my nine to five. But eventually what became Coffee Center 2.0, which is Sendoso, wasn't even being being created. We just merely had slides and basically a UI that we were showing potential investors to say, hey, this is already we're already having traction here. We want to take this thing off the ground. So already they already had a proven business model. They wanted to expand upon it. But then I meet other founders where one specifically, I won't name now, but successful account executive for eight years is creating a sales point, a sales point solution software. Mm -hmm. Um, That helped solve for a challenge that he had interacting with his buyers and not being able to correctly enable them with the tools that were provided. There was nothing that could sync that way. And I know that he's having great conversations right now. Um, And I'm sure that two years down the road, we're all going to be hearing about his company. Um, But he's, he's never founded a company. He doesn't come from product. He was an AE for about, you know, for that amount of time. And he just said, Hey, this is something that I'm passionate about. And I have a little money to set up the UI and now I'm mm-hmm. putting the money into the UI and now I'm showing the prototype off to sales leaders getting feedback and then I'm going to take it to investors and show them hey this is something that I needed as an account executive my boss couldn't find it I couldn't find it this is the value that I think that's, there is associated it. with the problem it's solving and so I, I love seeing that because I think that's an important thing too is sometimes like you said uh, earlier in the podcast sometimes um, you know investors recognize that this is a great idea. This is the right person to do it. They have the right people around them. They just need the capital to be able to quit their day job and go do mm-hmm. it and also build the product because building products is uh, it's pretty intensive, especially now that a lot of people are going to start some form or fashion integrating, trying to integrate a lot more AI because it's the hot new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what no-code AI tools look like in the future. I'll be excited to see what that looks like. But um, I want to approach the, um, the investing... Um, part of the business as a whole, if you're advising me or even just giving feedback on what you've seen as an investor and an advisor, if mm-hmm. I'm starting the, uh, if I'm, if I'm looking to raise seed round, let's start there. Capital. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest pitfall that most founders who try to raise seed capital, first time founders usually experience? Hmm. Um, the pitfall as in the mistakes that they make or the, the obstacles that they, they receive. Um, yeah. The, 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 the thing they do that they should have thought about before they did it because they did it the wrong way. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I think like, um, those three things that I mentioned, um, they don't put enough emphasis on, uh, demonstrating those values to the investors. 
right? Um, again, problem, uh, dedication or skin in the game and the ability to execute. Um, and they get, um, um, and they get too bogged down into trying to explain uh, the idea without going to the problem first. And one of the indications, for example, of um, how well you understand the problem is how quickly you can explain it, right? So if it takes you 10 minutes to explain your idea uh, and then you haven't even isolated the problem that you're solving, it will come up very quickly and it will be a red flag for, for investors. So I think, um, I think I've seen enough of that where like, I'm being pitched an idea instead of a problem and a solution. Does the problem need to have some form of ROI attached to it? Or does it work just well enough just to talk about the, the occurrence and frequency of the problem in some scenarios? Well, at this stage, the ROI is a hypothesis, right? So what is it? What, what hypothesis do you have? And uh, I think the best pitch is, uh, is about being honest uh, with investors. You know, here's what we know and here's what we don't know we assume and we want to validate because the first initial stage you know before before series a before you have those econ unit economics nailed down um, it's all about validation of your initial hypotheses like and and the more of those things here's how we can quantify this algorithm the more of these hypotheses that you can demonstrate you have validated early on the better your pitch is going to be like, for example, um, I think this is a problem and we asked 10 people versus, uh, you know what, I talked to 100 people and this is what they communicated to me is a big problem versus, you know what, there's uh, three customers out there that told me that they're willing to pay a thousand bucks for this solution. Um, and you know what, this is just a very small representation of the same kind of a company that I can go to later and sell this product to. Um, so... So that is just an initial kind of um, validation in the eyes of the investor that um, you are going to do the right thing in finding that product market fit. Because that's mm -hmm. what it's all about, right? It's iterating through the hypotheses and just throwing that MVP out there and see whether that's something that, that uh, customers are willing to pay for. Yeah. This has been awesome. Vadim, regarding our conversation What's something that we haven't talked about that you wish to share with the, with the community? And I know that's a loaded oh, question. Oh, gosh. Oh, we haven't <laughs> talked about so much. Um, Anything you want to talk about, we can, we can run with it. Um, interesting, interesting. Let's talk about ah, – here's something that people don't talk about. Um, the mental health of founders. Mm. That, that was a topic that um, I think in Silicon Valley briefly uh, reared its head. Um, it is um, – like being a the only founder, like uh, I, I actually, I don't know how it's even possible. Like um, it, it is such a such a difficult psychological thing to do. The ups and downs, and um, you absolutely need to have co-founders, um, if for nothing else than to bounce off ideas and to find that support uh, as you move forward. Um, you know, with, with my, with my co-founders, there's been a number of these, oh my God, like, I think this is, this is stupid. Like I wasted my five, five years on this. Like, why am I doing this? Just, just to have the other person be like, listen, let's go for a walk. Let's have some coffee. 
here's all the things that we accomplish. Here are the things that we can do differently. You know, it's not all a waste. Um, and um, it's, uh, it's taking such a, such a huge toll on our mental health to become founders. Very few people are actually talking about it because I think that is a sign of, uh, of a weakness. People perceive that as a sign of a weakness. But uh, I think that it's a, it's a sign of, of strength to be able to overcome these, these issues. And that's why finding the right uh, co-founder is even that much more important um, because it's not just somebody that complements your, um, your skill set. It's somebody that can provide you support in this very important um, time period in your life. And, uh, uh, you didn't expect that one, huh? <laughs> no, I, I love it. And I'm actually going to, as we close out the podcast, I'm going to bring it back to the beginning. You made a movie reference to Contact. I'll make a mm -hmm. movie reference to Lord of the Rings. Frodo didn't go to Mordor on his own, right? So mm -hmm. find find your Samwise. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> My 11-year-old had never seen those movies Good before. And we just started watching them. And I was like, how have you never seen these? These were such a big part of like my life, you know, mm -hmm. as, mm -hmm. a, as, a, as a growing adult. Um, so I got to share in that experience recently, which was fun. But yeah, I, I think it's um, you you tend to hear and I've only interviewed a couple people that are their own founders. Most of the time we get a lot of co-founders on here and you kind of do see a little bit of difference in the way that they talk about things and mm -hmm. the alleviation they have behind the problems because they know they have someone to share that load with someone that they can bounce off ideas and and just even get feedback on things and maybe even just go hey i need you to tap into your network because i'm having a hard time solving for this i know it's my yeah. end of the business but let's let's put our heads together and see if we can bring someone in to help us uh talk about this and and like you said it's not a sign of weakness it's a sign of strength to be able to deal with it mm -hmm. um, i've always encouraged people like you know you go to the gym and you work out right that's the same thing that therapy is for your brain and your emotions it's, it's working out that mental side of your life and there's nothing wrong with that. And you, and you need that, um, you need that therapy and treatment and you need to keep your health in order. Right. So I'm, I'm glad that you touched on that. Vadim, as we close out the episode, how can people get in contact with you? How can they get in touch if they have a question they want to ask, or they merely just want to follow you on your journey as a, as a co-founder, founder, advisor, and, and strategic advisor and investor? Sure. Sure. Uh, LinkedIn, I think is the best um, probably, yeah, probably LinkedIn. Um, I, I respond to almost everybody as long as it doesn't sound like a, you know, a sale of service, uh, some kind of a cold outreach. Um, if you really need help, uh, by all means, if I have time, I'll respond, uh, with something that is more than just, Hey, how are you? <laughs> um, today, for example, I joined Kabila. You mentioned Kabila early on because you had mm -hmm. uh, the founder on your podcast. Um, and there was somebody asking a question about uh, they had a, a verification problem where Twilio charged them like $10,000 or something because they have mm -hmm. a problem with bots. I solved that problem before. I'm happy to help. Um, and so maybe, oh, let's, let's help out a fellow um, portfolio startup, Kabila. Join Kabila. Find me there <laughs> and uh, let's get you the help that you need. That's um, right. Hatch Adventures is, is trying to implement that kind of a community as well. That's why the, the relationship with Kabila is so, is so precious because we're, we're after the same thing. It's providing that support for founders uh, that have questions because you know what? Somebody probably already solved that problem that you're having right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so find me on Kabila. Find me on LinkedIn. Um, don't hesitate to ping Hatch Adventures. There's an amazing community of folks. There's a lot more 
uh, advisors out there. That's what makes us so special. It's not just one person with an opinion. It's 30, 40 advisors ready to help you. Um, and um, good luck. I it's love it. Dare. Dare to do something amazing. It, mm -hmm. it takes us exactly the same time to do something mediocre and to do something amazing. Believe you me, there's, everybody has 24 hours uh, in a day. So might as well do something awesome. Yes, it's a great, it's a great, uh, great line to close it on. Um, we'll have uh, links in the description and the show notes below to Vadim's LinkedIn, as well as the Founders Formula podcast in Hatch Adventures. If you're interested in engaging further, thank you everybody uh, for tuning into this two-part episode. We appreciate each and every one of you, and we'll see you on next week's episode. Thanks, Vadim. Thanks, Chet. <laughs>